Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are here today with Sean McCormick. You can read all about him in the show notes. Sean was recommended to us, I think, originally by Seth Perler, and we've gotten a chance to know him a little bit of, of recent years, and he was in Arpalooza, and he is really highly regarded amongst parents in our community for working with young people in the realm of executive function. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. A new friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else in the way of introduction, Diane, before we dive in? No, Sean, like, give us Welcome. a story. Welcome. How did you get Thank started you. doing what you're doing and, you know, catch us up? Yeah. So I think I was a former special ed, public school special education teacher. And I worked, I think one of the most like foundational experiences for me that led me to work with students of of like students of high needs or complex kids, let's say, was I ran, I started and ran what's known as a counseling enriched classroom, which is a classroom that's set up for kids who are trans transitioning back from residential treatment. So these are highly complex kids who, for some reason or another, the the normal classroom environment wasn't working. And so I had a group of like 15 of those students in one classroom and they were all different ages from ninth grade to 12th grade. And I had to figure out, like, how do I help all of these kids individually, but at the same time, create a community among these kids with very different needs and challenges and goals? Yeah. And so that really just taught me a lot about basically like differentiating and, fo- you know, focusing on the unique needs of kids. And and one thing that really stood out to me from that process was the parents were so important in the process. So mm. We developed this process by collaborating with an outside agency, a wraparound team, um, and it was called the family team meeting process, where the parents would check, they would come to a meeting once a month, and we would all identify what's going well, what needs to change, and who does what by when. And it was with those kids who needed that that process that that was how you made change, because you can't just expect that like someone's going to, you know, they couldn't expect that we were going to fix their kid by teaching them for, you know, whatever, eight hours a day. And we couldn't expect that they were going to fix their kid at home. But if we all worked together and we had this kind of collective efficacy, like we were, we truly were able to fundamentally change the, the, the kind of direction of where things had been heading. And sometimes it was pretty, pretty bad, or they were really like avoiding school or there was all types of challenges. So that collaboration between parents and students and teachers, I think is like so powerful. And right. when I, decided to move away from the public education sphere when I had my first daughter and I started working one-to-one with kids. Like 
every kid I got was someone who was really struggling with executive function challenges. Like, you know, it just came for some reason, it's like that magnetic energy where people send you things that they know will be a good fit for you. And I always was working with those kids, not, not kids who really had a struggle maybe with a content area, but just like disorganized, like couldn't manage school. And so that led me to build my brand executive function specialist while also incorporating that process. I was just mentioning that team meeting process and engaging families. Cause I think that's the missing piece in a lot of coaching is that parents aren't fully involved. Sometimes I hear a lot of coaches say like, Oh, I don't tell the parents anything. You know, we sign a contract where they don't even, I don't even allow them to know what's going on. And I'm like, wow, you're missing a huge piece. You're missing the, the, the value of bringing the team together and everybody working collectively towards the goal. Um, The the term that's jumping at me is missed opportunity. Yeah, totally. Right. You know, like the opportunity to actually get parents and kids talking to each other and working with each other and supporting Mm -hmm. each other. Like, like if you could do that, why wouldn't you? Yeah, (laughs) totally. And I think it's because like, I mean, there's probably a bunch of reasons, but I think people are afraid that the parents are going to be too pushy or maybe, you know, whatever, you know, there's always been this tension between teachers or educators and parents. And like, yeah, both, both sides are like, oh, they're not doing enough or, you know, they're doing too much. And, but if you can all be on the same page, it doesn't mean about everything it could just be one key goal that you're all working yeah. on together. You can have a greater impact on a student's life than you could if you're all working separately. Yeah. Well, I think about the fact that, you know, so many parents say, well, I can't help my kids. So I'm going to send them off to somebody else. Right. To- or, or and you and, use that word they, fix, right? Fix, fix right. Good. Yeah. Or educators who are like, okay, like the, I'm, these parents just don't get it. Right. It's just mm-hmm. sort of what yeah. you're talking about is how do we bridge the divide, mm-hmm. whether it's with a coach and a parent or a teacher and a parent, but yeah. you know, it's like how many times it's like, I send my kid off to school. I want them when they're at home, you have them when they're at school, but this mm-hmm. opportunity to, for a partnership is such an important piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it's important to remember that it doesn't have to be everything, right? It it doesn't have to be, we have to be best friends and we have to be at all the PTA meetings and holding hands. It could just be one thing, you know, and that one thing might be this kid's missing a lot of assignments. How do we all work together to get them to less missing assignments, you know, and closer to no missing assignments, you know, and it could be that one thing and that, but if everybody's working together, you just have a greater possibility of things not slipping through the cracks. Right. So, so there are two things you've spoken to that are so in alignment with, with all that we are about and what we teach at Impact Parents with a coach approach. One is this issue of collaboration and like mm-hmm. the opportunity to collaborate. The other thing I heard you say that in those original team meetings was that you come together and say what worked, what didn't yeah. work, what are we going to mm-hmm. do next? And that's right. like, yeah, we yeah. call that the three magic questions. Mm-hmm. And the notion of starting with what works so, yeah. so will you speak a little bit to the power of, of that positive yeah. framework? I love that question because it's one of my favorite pieces. So I base, I mean, I think everybody intuitively knows that if you're nice to people and like you compliment them first, you're probably gonna have a better outcome if you're trying to make something critical. But there's actually research by this guy, Dr. Stephen Krashen. And Dr. Stephen Krashen was a foremost researcher in the like early nineties in California, when there was a huge influx of non-native or non-English speaking students coming Mm -hmm. from different countries and the California public school system had to figure out how do we get kids to basically, you know, 
uh, incorporate into this system if they're not even speaking English and we don't have teachers who are speaking all their languages and teaching in every language. So it's a very challenging situation. And uh, what Dr. Stephen Krashen, so he was leading a lot of the research. I think he was like Professor Emeritus at UCLA or something. He was leading a lot of the research and he found, he kind of postulated and it, it got a lot of backing that kids have what's known as an effective filter. So basically they put this block up when they're feeling anxious or overwhelmed or untrusting, which is how most kids with that don't, you know, if you, if you don't speak English and you're in a classroom where everyone's just speaking English and you have no idea what's going on, you're obviously, you're obviously going to be extremely anxious, right? Your effective filter. And that's basically like your, almost like your reptilian brain or your animal brain, where you're just kind of in survival mode. Like, well, I don't know what to do. And that's how a lot of kids are feeling in the education system um, when they don't feel like accepted or valued. And so just that simple act of saying like, what's going well and everybody sharing something that's going well before you dive into like, how do we need to fix or change the situation, which can be very triggering to kids when they feel like they need to be fixed. And they're like, well, you're, you're not helping me with my homework or you're not giving me individualized attention. Why do I need to be fixed? So when you focus first on like, what's going well, let's all kind of like open the door to something positive that lowers the effective filter. And it starts to allow kids to feel safe and comfortable in getting feedback or being a part of a change framework. I love that. We we talk about it in terms of starting with a gift before you make an ask, mm-hmm, right? right? Start with an yeah. acknowledgement of some sort. Mm-hmm. And, and we hear from parents a lot. Well, but they... You know, the parents are also in that reptilian brain. And if mm-hmm. the parent is having a very hard time seeing anything positive, mm-hmm. you end up with this really difficult cycle. So part of the mm-hmm. exercise here is not just to lower that effective filter for the kids, but also to lower it for the parents. Yeah. And and I talk to parents a lot about that. And it's actually a big part of my the framework of my business is like, educating them on the importance of this. Like it might seem like a small thing to you, you know, or kind of almost meaningless. Like, why would I say congrats to my kid or good job going to your sessions or like taking the trash out? Like, why would I focus on something so small? But there's so much, you know, research and knowledge around like change starts small. Like I like to call them like micro changes. Like if you're trying to fix, if you're trying to change everything at once, that's never going to happen, right? But if you like those small compounding wins, those small compounding changes, they start to create a new identity in the student. Like, oh, I am capable. Oh, I do follow my parents' directions. Oh, I do get things done, you know. And you can't, but that identity of like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm always missing. I'm not. I'm not meeting my parents' expectations. That is, that's built in and realized through you know constant negative feedback. Yeah, you know, yeah. becomes well, that identity. I- I've got a few families in my in our community that might say, well, my kid doesn't want to hear that, right? It's this sort of, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of us have perfectionist kids. And so even if we're trying to highlight something that we think is particularly good, they are really critical or they hear, they hear feedback as condescending or what, you know, there's like all of this dynamic. And so what would you say to the parent who's like, my kid doesn't want to hear the good stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean- I did have a student actually, it was really interesting. I had one student who he like, he got enraged at positive feedback. Um, This was when I was in that counseling rich classroom. And it was like, it like totally took me for a spin because I was like, man, I, I would write a note and like sit on his desk, he'd crumple it up and drop it, you know? And I, and I was like, wow, this is like totally, you know, I got to figure out another approach. So yeah, there are situations where, maybe positive feedback 
is not the right move, you know, but I would say that's more of the exception than the rule. And that most kids and most people in general really do value like positive feedback. It helps them know they're going in the right direction um, and know what they should repeat to kind of please their caregivers. But if, if, you know, what I heard you say, Diane was like, oh, they might see it as condescending. Well, I think as a parent, you might need to do a little work if if your feedback is being received as condescending. Maybe it is, you know, maybe yeah. you're or maybe really... there's a, they're waiting for the, the, they're waiting for the, but right. It's yeah. sort of you. Yes, this is good, but what it, well, okay. What am I doing wrong? Right. So this sort of, it's not building trust. It's just a, it's like painting pretty icing on negative. Yeah. Feedback, right. You have and to, you have to get in a, and a, you have to get in a habit. It's like, everything is habits and change, you know, and it's like my my couples uh ther- or couples counselor says like we don't come into this work um to change each other we're focusing on what we change in ourselves you know yeah. and I think that's really important for parents is like you have to really love and appreciate your kids even though they frustrate you but they're not you know they're not yours I mean they are yours but they're their own people and yeah. so it's like if you were a manager at a business you know would you would you just constantly give negative feedback to someone? Do you think that's going to get the best performance out of them? Or you're going to have to find some creative ways to engage them and make them feel valued, you know, not that your kids are your employees, but, you know. But there's be- a great parallel there. Yeah. And, you know, we talk, I, what, in, I love this topic. What I talk about a lot is keeping it really chill, mm-hmm. right? Often what happens with parents is we go overboard mm-hmm. in acknowledging the positive. And if it's just like, good job, and you move on. Mm-hmm that is less likely to get a reaction. And for, for those kids that are hypersensitive, we want to keep it simple enough where it doesn't feel inauthentic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or condescending. Mm-hmm. So we need to take a quick break and then we'll mm-hmm. be right back. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. So welcome back, everybody. Our guest is Sean McCormick. We're talking about um, really what we've ended up talking about is uh, the collaborative role of parents and and giving, you know, kind of positive feedback to complex kids as a way to engage them in the process of of taking ownership of themselves. What I want to do in the time we have remaining is to shift to ask you, you know, you work with a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. And you were just starting to speak to that issue of they are separate autonomous beings from their parents. And sometimes that's hard for parents to get their head around. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want parents of complex kids to understand better? Maybe it's about their kids or maybe about what's the opportunity in their relationship, their kids. What's this? If we were to give you a bully pulpit to talk to all the parents of all the kids you work with, what do you want them to know most of all? Yeah. So this is going to come off as like probably counterintuitive, but like, you're not as big of a deal as you think you are. And what I mean by (laughs) that is uh, the research on what impacts student achievement. So there's, there's this really famous study and and we talked about it before in uh, ADHD Palooza, but there's this study that's constantly being updated called now something in uh, visible learning, visible learning by John Hattie. And he ranks, you know, he he's basically looked at like 
hundreds of thousands of studies and like tons of meta-analysis and they've, they've, it's encompassed over 250 million students worldwide. So they've ranked all these things. And if you look Google visible learning, you can see what basically factors or strategies have the biggest impact on student achievement. And the one we just talked about earlier was collective efficacy. That's always like number one or two having the biggest impact. And basically it's the idea that a group of people working together around a goal. So in that sense, parents, you have a huge role to play. And it's basically in the facilitator of coming up with a great team that's supporting your child and being involved in that. So in that sense, you do. But if you if you go onto the visible learning website and you look at the factors, like if you scroll down, like parental involvement is it's above like the the kind of like, I guess you could say the middle point, but it's not it's not the biggest factor. There are, you know, so I don't want you to put too much pressure or feel like everything's your fault is what I'm trying to say to you as parents. What I want you to think about is like, how do I create an amazing team around my kid? And how do I make sure I do my part to work effectively with that team? Because you can't do everything. You've done your job, right? You've given your child a safe place to live. You've fed them, you've nourished them. But if you're trying to, if you're trying to really launch them in the world and have help them have the best outcomes, the best executive function skills, you need to support them with a community of people where you guys are all working kind of hand in hand towards developing your child. You know, you can't you can't just like shape them exactly, but like put them put them in a position where they can be around people that can support them, whether it's they want to be a great athlete or a great student or scientist and kind of work hand in hand with those people. But don't feel like it's all on you because the, the research says it's not. So that's yeah. what I want parents to know. I, I love that. And when I'm, it dovetails again so well into the work we do, because what you said was, how do I create an amazing team and do my part to work effectively with that team? And mm-hmm. what I might add is with that team and with my kid mm-hmm. in service of my kid becoming more independent of themselves. Yeah. Right. And I, actually, I want to add to that because I think yeah. it's one thing that's really important is like the parents who I see that get the most value from our services and and families and students have like incredible changes, like going from like failing grades and missing assignments to like managing school, sometimes like hitting the honor roll, whatever, or, you know, presence list or doing really well in college, launching to great, great jobs and things like that. But the ones that are the most successful are just the ones who like, like you said, are chill about participating in the process and are supportive, but the Mm -hmm. parents whose kids are cracking, the parents who are cracking, like things are falling apart are the parents who try to micromanage and right. battle the coaches. Like I've, I have parents like that who are like, we're going to do it like this and this. And it's like, they don't participate in the process and bring their best self. They kind of want to manage and control things. And there's definitely a place for parent input. And, and, but, and I always say parents are the sleeping giant in education. Like your, your input yeah. is so valuable, but if you're trying to like, I don't know, like bulldoze or direct the whole process of, you know, around people that you're paying, right? Professionals, like experts that you're probably paying. Those people don't get a lot of value out of executive function coaching. And I imagine it's the same with parent coaching. Like you got, you got to allow everybody to bring their, their expertise to the table and not feel like you just need to control everything. Well, and I I feel like, like a commercial, but part of what I'm hearing and what you're saying, Sean, is just how many of us as parents are kind of freaking, secretly freaking out about our kids. And so the, the parents that are showing up and micromanaging a lot of times are the ones that are just really scared and the freaking out and micromanaging is a 
dysregulated response. And so it's mm-hmm. like this sort of, okay, so parents, if you notice yourself micromanaging, it might be an opportunity or an invitation to go, okay, wait a second. How do I not freak out so much? How do I relax a little bit, chill? I love that, <laughs> chill a little bit. Chill out. Let yeah, my kids yeah. step into this space. And I know that we get scared that they're not because maybe they haven't, but it's easy to get freaking out and jumping in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, if you're, if you're feeling that way, like if you're freaking out and you're kind of catastrophizing and you're like, okay, if my kid's missing this, that means they're never going to get a job. It's like, while that, that energy is very destructive and scary for kids, like kids need a solid um, foundation. You know, they, they need parents they need parents who are people, but if, if you are a parent who is freaking out and that energy is kind of like seeping into the process, like you need help, go get a therapist, like work with someone and show model for your kid, what it means like to manage self-manage. Like, right. If you're telling your kid, Oh, you should work with a coach or you should do this. Like you should also as a parent model, like seeking support when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or, you know, there's it's everybody has an opportunity to grow and model the the appropriate behaviors and your kids will look at that and be like, Oh, okay. Like I hope my kids see me and, and I, we don't hide it from my kids. Like, Oh yeah, we're going, mommy and dad are going to therapy. We're going to couples counseling because I want them to seek help when they're older, when things get challenging. Like I don't want them to feel like they have to shove everything down and be the perfect statue or perfectly strong. Like that's kind of my, my perspective. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I I often say to parents, particularly in groups, like that often they will leave with the homework of, um, okay, go talk to your kids about this is what I learned today. This is what I got from my coach today. My mm-hmm. this is like so that they're transparent with their kids that everybody asks for help, including mom and dad mm-hmm. or you know parents. Yeah. So commercial interruption for get parent training or coaching, which is what we do at Impact Parents, if you're interested right. in support for yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. And know that when your kids are getting support and you're getting support, it's that collaborative. What I love what you're describing is like when you put a team together that's really supporting the kid, sometimes that means supporting yourself so that you can be the best support know what your role is and play it really cleanly for your kid. Right. Because the teachers know what their role is, right? And the tutors know what their role is. And when the parents are playing too many roles, it can cause a hot mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead, Di. Yeah, I was just going to say, we got to start wrapping up here, but Sean, talk a little bit more, tell people how they can connect with you if they're interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Well, you can go, go to my website, EF Specialist, Executive Function Specialist, or but just EF, EF Specialist with an S at the end, dot com. That's where I have a newsletter. So if you if you go up into connect on the menu, there's uh, like a newsletter. So I send out a weekly newsletter to my, my parents and educators and other people who are interested in this type of work. And that's just all about how to develop executive function skills and teens and and uh, young people. So that's that's kind of like, the best place. Check out my newsletter. Um, I hang out on LinkedIn uh, a good deal. Um, but yeah, those are probably the best places to uh, to, to find me and, and connect with me. Beautiful. I love that. I hang out on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> um, good community. All right. So as we start to wrap this conversation, what do you, what's coming up for you that you'd like to share with our listeners, either that you feel like 
a, a message you want to hit home or maybe something we haven't talked about today that you want to make mm. sure you mentioned before we wrap? Yeah. I think um, the thing that's coming up for me is just the importance of remembering that change is gradual and mm. that it's organic in the sense that like when you plant a seed, it doesn't just turn into a tree the next day. It's something that you have to nurture and, and grow and sing to and water and and all those things. And that's like any skill. Um, you know, I'm a parent of two, two young girls under five. So I got a long way to go with my parenting and challenges that I can't probably even imagine are going to come up. But I do we'll, know we'll I, be here for you when yeah, you're ready, no, I'm going to need your training in a couple of years. <laughs> but just like, you know, I've really been operating off this quote, small tweaks have big peaks. It's been like really important for me in the last few months with my business, with my parenting, with my exercise, everything is like, it's those small, like unsexy, like daily kind of investments and whatever it is you want to grow and nurture that is going to really compound and blossom into the vision that you have. So if it's your kid managing school more effectively, that might mean a long-term relationship with an executive function coach, or if you want to improve your parenting, that might mean a year you know, going through some parenting training doesn't mean you do one workshop and it just, you know, changes your life. It could change your life, you know, but it's that daily, that weekly, daily, monthly stuff that, that really has the impact. So invest, that's my thought, you know, is invest there, whatever it is. And, uh, one of the things I've been playing with lately, I love what you're saying about, you know, tiny habits and changing habits is, is this notion that we don't actually break habits. We create new ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and so it's not about breaking an old habit of X, Y, Z, but it's about saying, okay, what's the next small habit I want to start with? What's the, ne- I love that small tweaks, right? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing I want to tweak and the next thing and the next thing, because that's what creates the kind of lasting transformational change that we all want. And it really does happen in these tiny little increments. Yeah. Well, what do they say? Gradually. And then all at once. Right? Yeah. Gradually, then right. Suddenly. Yeah. The hockey stick I've heard, uh, Seth said, and or it's like, actually, and I think of you, Elaine, when we, because I remember when you were on my podcast years ago, you were telling me about how you guys did like a guest blog every week for like years, but it's just like that process, I'm sure just like opened the doors to connect with so many incredible individuals. And it's like, if you had done one, probably wouldn't have had the same impact, but just like having that, you know, process of really engaging with people who are bringing fresh ideas or it's like yeah. it's just over time, it's probably just expanded your horizon so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, in so many ways. Thank you for that acknowledgement. Cause I really, when we first started, it's kind of hard to look back now and go, wow, how many experts have we interviewed? How many like, but yeah, it started with one and then another one and then another one. So beautiful. So is that, you know, we always like to end with a favorite quote. Is that your favorite quote? Small tweaks have big peaks, or is there another one you want to share as well? Okay, since I, since, yeah. You, get, since you can have two that, if you want. Um, <laughs> you can uh, have more than one. Let me see here. So, okay, I'll share one of my favorites, but um, it's not so much to do with parenting, but I just like it. So when I joined Teach for America in 2000 and. 13 or something. I had to go to Philadelphia and it was like the the most intense, like training period. Like they were shipping us from Philadelphia across the water to like Newark or something, you know, every day to go into these inner city schools. And it was great. I learned a lot, but it was hard work. 
And they're like, you're going to need to find a way to get motivated every day. And they're like, here's a clipboard. And we want you to put your, tell us your favorite quote. And we're going to put on the back. And my favorite quote at the, at then, but it kind of still is my favorite quote is, is a quote by um, Leonardo da Vinci. And it is um, strength is born in constraint and dies in freedom. And that quote's just always stuck with me. Strength, strength is born in constraint and dies in freedom. So, so what does that mean to you? Well, yeah. so for me, it's like, when you want to grow to the best version of yourself or the strongest or most capable, it's not about just having infinite options. It's about maybe limiting, you know, um, what you're doing on a daily basis or, you know, limiting, you know, I mean, this is a terrible kind of dark example. Like imagine you were in a prison cell, like you wouldn't have much to do. You'd probably work out and read all day, but the strength of your body and your mind would grow exponentially, potentially in that constraint. So I don't know how that applies to people, but you know, I always, my, my mantra for this year is do less better. I'm I'm trying to constrain my that. activities and do less because I think I want to, I want to bring the best to my business, to my family, to my team members, um, as opposed to trying to expand and to do, doing everything for everybody. So, well, and, and parents that. need that advice routine. so much because there's so many things for them to work on and focus in on. We teach this concept called taking aim, right? And so mm-hmm. Your invitation is like narrow in Mm. rather than trying to do everything and and not feeling like you're doing it well, really focusing on one or two things. Yeah. Less is more sometimes a lot more, but, but you have to make the commitment, set the intention to do that. And that's what I'm hearing you calling. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Sean, it's, it's beautiful. It's the work you're doing, the energy you bring to it, your perspective on it. It's, it's lovely to get to know you better and to know that you're out there helping to shape all of these fabulous young minds. Um, Thank you. Really acknowledge the work you're doing. Um, Thank thank you you for being with us. Yeah. And I want to thank you both Diane and Elaine so much for inviting me to be here. Uh, I really, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to connect with both of you and, and your audience. And um, I'm grateful. So uh, if there's anything I can ever do for your community, please let me know. Awesome. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. And those of you listening, take a minute as we close and reflect on the conversation today. What are some of the things that stood out for you the most? What's an aha that you've taken away? What's an action you want to commit to from a conversation? How do you take what you've learned and integrate it and move it forward? And as always, trust that you are making a difference in the lives of yourself, in the lives of your family, in the lives of your kids, and that that by tuning in, listening, getting help, doing the work, you're making a difference uh, for the long haul for these kids. So bravo for being here and we will see you on the next call. Take care, everybody. Thanks, John. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanityschool.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.